Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Get Well Church. My name is Hunter Upton. I'm one of the pastors here at our South Haven campus. Glad that you've joined us for worship, whether in the room or you're joining us online, however and wherever. And if you're our guest, we're glad that you are here as well. Warm welcome to you and hope that you receive something by being here uh, today. So we are continuing in our uh, current message series entitled, When Jesus Appears, the Resurrection Encounters. And what we're looking at are these accounts in scripture where we find appearances that Jesus makes to his disciples uh, between the time that he's resurrected from the dead to the time that he will ascend into heaven. And it's one of the great things about each of these times that he appears is that something happens, something changes in the lives of those whom he visits. Uh, and really awesome is that the same is true of us today, that when Jesus appears in our lives, things change and they always change for the better. And so excited this morning that we're talking about forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is, is, has the power to heal hearts, it has the power to restore relationships, and it has the power to transform trajectories. And our passage this morning is going to show us this on full display. So if you got a Bible or a device that you read from, we're going to be in John chapter 21. John chapter 21, we're going to pick up where Pastor Jonathan left off last week, so just a little recap of where we were last week in the beginning of John 21, uh, is that uh, the disciples had gone back, uh, at least a handful of them had gone back to doing what they had always done, right? Fish. Uh, and Simon Peter is with them, and they're out on the boat, and they fish all night and catch absolutely nothing. Well, here's this man on the shore who yells out and says, cast out your net again. And they're like, I think that's Jesus. And they cast it out, and they catch a miraculous amount of fish only could be the son of God right and so they will these fish in and here they come and Jesus uh, prepares breakfast for them right there they eat breakfast and our text today picks up uh, as they're finishing their meals John chapter 21 we're going to start in verse 15 when they had finished eating Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you love me more than these yes Lord he said you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now, what makes this encounter so powerful? Well, we have to look a few chapters earlier, and if you look in John chapter 18, or if for some reason you were in the Gospel of Luke this morning instead of John, as we were reading that, you can look back in John, uh, Luke chapter 22, but we find the story of, of Peter denying Jesus three times at Jesus' arrest. The first time, Peter's there, and he's warming himself by a fire of burning coals in the courtyard of the high priest's home whenever a servant girl looks to him and says, aren't you one of his disciples? 
And Peter looks at her and says, I am not. A little while later, another servant asked him the same question. Aren't you one of his disciples also? And he said, I am not yet again. Then one of the servants, who was a relative of the man whom Peter had literally just moments earlier, hours before, chopped off his ear in the garden with the sword as, as uh, Jesus was being arrested, uh, the man said, didn't I see you with him in the garden? This is when Peter adamantly says, I do not know that man. And immediately a rooster crowed. You see, it's at that moment that Peter remembered what Jesus had said to him, that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And that's when Peter, he goes out of the courtyard and he begins to weep bitterly. Now I can imagine that in that moment as Peter is denying Jesus and as all this moment comes together, I can imagine that the smell of those burning coals probably became etched in his nostrils. He knew exactly what that moment was like. And I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, olfactory memory. Uh, this is uh, kind of like whenever you get this whiff and it reminds you of your grandmother's house. Like, I feel like we all have that, don't we? Like, there's just always something that reminds us of our grandmother's house. Maybe you get a whiff of something that reminds you uh, of a loved one that you lost. Um, or, kind of in my case, that happens more often, it reminds you of a cake or a bread or a meal or something that you've had one time, right? And it was so good, so good. But I can imagine that in today's text, that even though it had been weeks since that moment that Peter had smelt that fire, and had denied Jesus, that would have been something that he would have remembered. It would have been weeks since that moment of denial, that moment of feeling that he had betrayed the only one who he loved so much and had, had told repeatedly that he would follow him, that Peter, that Jesus, wanting to connect for Peter something in his mind, that in this scene, as Jesus is here on the shore, preparing breakfast for his disciples, that it's by no coincidence that there would be another fire of burning coals. I think that that smoke would have immediately filled Peter's mind with that thought. That it immediately would have taken him back to that frightful Thursday when he chose to deny knowing Jesus. So Peter denied knowing Jesus three times before. And what we find in our text today is that Jesus asked Peter how many times? Three, right? Three times to reaffirm his love for him. Three times essentially Peter had said, I do not know this man. And now Jesus has heard his response of, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Three times of denial, three times of affirmation. Jesus is connecting yet again for Peter to help him understand that he is forgiven. See, in, God, in John's gospel, what we find are, are that numbers are important. And all throughout the Bible, we find that numbers are important. And one of the numbers that's important is the number three. Uh, it com so signifies completeness. Uh, we find that the, the angelic beings around the throne of, of God are singing what? Holy, 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 because God is perfectly and completely holy. And what Jesus is trying to tell Peter is that, Peter, your denial of me was complete. But, but, your restoration through forgiveness in me 
is complete as well. And I feel like Peter's probably a little bit of a slow processor, kind of like me, because at first he was hurt, right? He was like, well, Jesus, you know that I love you. Uh, And how defensive we get so quickly, right? Uh, But what Peter doesn't understand necessarily what Jesus is doing at that moment, whenever he finally did, whenever it finally clicked, I believe that his heart was filled with joy and with peace. See, that mess that Peter had made, Jesus had now cleaned, cleaned the air, cleaned the relationship that Peter had broken, bringing them back into a restored relationship. You see, here's the thing, is that had what Peter had broken with his words and actions, Jesus had restored with his words and his actions, and now he's offering that to Peter. So here's the point, is that we do not deserve forgiveness and grace because of our sin. We just don't. But God gives it extravagantly because of his great love for us. See, Peter didn't deserve it and there was nothing he could do to earn it. But by God's grace at work through Jesus Christ, it's being offered to him because of the great love, the extravagant love that God has for him. See, just weeks earlier, Jesus had endured the cross, died a criminal's death, but then rose by the power of God. And by that, he defeated sin and death. And whenever we come to saving faith in him, Jesus imparts on us his righteousness because of the love that he has for us. And the same is true of us, is that we don't deserve uh, forgiveness and grace because of our sin. And, And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But nothing, nothing in our ability Nothing in what we do, nothing in what we deserve can we get forgiveness on our own, but Jesus gives it to us freely. Repeatedly, and I I don't know about you, we don't often go around just saying, you know, I don't know that man, but yet how often we live our lives in ways like Peter, denying that we're following Jesus. But God, but God, but God's grace. See, God's forgiveness is powerful. Do we deserve it? No. But by his grace, we're offered it. And it's so countercultural. We don't find this in our culture. We don't find this sometimes even in our own homes. But what God is offering us is something awesome. See, it's that God loves us that much, that he desires for us to be in a restored relationship with him so much that Jesus would pay the cost with his very own life for us to be reconciled through grace. So what is grace? Well, grace is God's unmerited favor toward us. It's a free and undeserved uh, gift of salvation that God offers all people who place their faith in Jesus Christ. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something we can achieve by our own efforts. Instead, it is a gift that we receive through faith in Jesus Christ. And I came across this definition this week uh, that I think really hits it on the head. So Grace, it's favor or kindness shown without regard to the worth or merit of the one who receives it. And then I love this, in spite of what the person deserves. Was Peter worth it? Had he done anything to deserve this forgiveness? No. I mean, he had denied knowing and following Jesus. He made it very clear (laughs) three times they were not in a relationship together, right? But God, but God, in spite of what he deserved, Jesus offered him forgiveness and grace. And the same truth is for all of us to hear and believe as well. 
is that God offers forgiveness and grace to us through Jesus. See, one of the beautiful things about God's forgiveness is that it pardons our sins because they've been paid for by Jesus. And it offers us a a new beginning, a fresh start, a restored relationship with him. It's an expression of God's mercy and love toward us despite our unworthiness and our failures. And it's a powerful and life-changing thing that brings hope and healing and transformation to all who receive it. Now, I like illustrations, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share an illustration with you in just a second. But know that at some point, all illustrations that we try to put around these things usually fall short. But I'm going to try to do my best with this one. So all of you came in on Get Well Road today. Otherwise, you walked from behind the church uh, here. Uh, But let's say that you were speeding down Get Well. And I'm sure none of us have ever, ever gone over the speed limit. And so you get pulled over. What do you deserve? A ticket. The answer wasn't Jesus, but it was a ticket, so you're, you're good. All right, so you, you deserve a ticket, right? And so uh, that's because you were speeding. You were breaking the law, right? But now how about this? The officer begins to walk up to your window. You roll down your window, and you immediately start apologizing. I'm so sorry that I was speeding. And the officer tells you this, that your fine has been paid. You're free to go. Someone else paid it. He'd be like... All right, well, this was my lucky day. Not too bad. And then he hands you a $100 bill. And he also says that that's from the person who paid your speeding ticket. That kind of changes things, doesn't it? That's quite something. Wow. And that's a lot what God's grace is like for us. It doesn't just cover that one sin. It covers all of our sin. It's extravagant. It's more than we deserve. And it's not because we did something right. Hello, we were speeding, right? We were breaking the law, but it's all because of Jesus. And so you have one of two responses in that moment. You can either, you know, graciously accept that someone has paid your ticket and accept that $100. And uh, hopefully, you know, you know that this has cost someone something. You know, what's the... It's the economics adage that there's no such thing as a free lunch. There's no such thing as free grace. It costs someone something. Or, so you can either accept it, repent and accept it, or you can reject it and become callous and continue to live the same way that you did before. You can continue being that speed demon on Get Well Road. But you see, here's the thing, is that when we truly understand forgiveness, it, ch- it changes us. It's life-changing when we truly accept it. And that's because of this, is that our past doesn't define us. God can use it for his glory. See, earlier in John 21, Peter and the other disciples, they'd gone back to what they knew in the past, right? They'd gone back to fishing. Uh, it's what Peter was doing when he fer- first met Jesus, Do you remember what Jesus said whenever he called him from that boat? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. See, Jesus was going to use what Peter knew to make an impact on the kingdom of God. In the past, Peter was a fisherman of fish, but now he was going to be a fisherman of people. In the past, Peter had denied knowing Jesus, but now because of Jesus and the forgiveness of grace... He was going to place him in a faithful position 
to love and care for his people, which would become the church. See, for each of us, we have a past. And there's so many things from my past that, I, that I'm not proud of, nor do I wish were part of my story. But unfortunately, I mean, that's just how they are, right? And for years, even into years of full-time ministry, friends, I, I struggled with this understanding of forgiveness for myself. It's so easy to understand the gospel and to preach the gospel, and I believe the gospel for each and every one of you, but yet I had such a hard time believing forgiveness for myself. Years and years and years of wrestling with this, and it was all because all I could see was my past. But it's not our past that defines us whenever Jesus has taken care of it. See, Jesus has dealt with our past, and that's what happens when we come to saving faith in him. He did it on the cross. And, you know, looking forward to that truth, Scripture gives us this in Psalm 103, verse 12. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And in Isaiah 43, 25, the Lord says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Found myself really having to wrestle with those scriptures in my heart. Uh, wrestled with this in conversations with pastors, with friends, even with counselors. And I'll tell you where I found the answer is in this story of Peter. In this story of Peter. See, Jesus is the one who's given me a restored relationship. It's not based on my own merit. It's based solely on his love and his desire. My past doesn't define my relationship with Jesus if I've repented, if I've turned to him, and if I've received this free and extravagant offering of forgiveness and grace. Friends, that same forgiveness and grace is available to you today. I don't know where you are, and I don't know if you have wrestled with this before in your life, um, I don't know if you are not even sure what forgiveness and grace is like. But wherever you are, I want you to know that Jesus offers it freely to you. And he's offering it to you this morning. He wants you to understand and to feel the, the, the utter life-changing aspect. The audacity of it. Of what God has done for us in Jesus. So Jesus questions to Peter or about his loyalty, about his love for him. But here's the thing is that it's more than just these questions, the, this whole scenario, this whole scene is more than just about Peter. It's more than just about Peter. It's about something much larger too. And what I mean by it is this, is that we are individually forgiven, but then we're also called to a shared commitment to the kingdom of God. See, for Peter, he had been forgiven, but he'd also been called to rise above himself to something greater, and that was the cause of the church of Jesus. Jesus called Peter to feed my lambs, to tend my sheep, to feed my sheep. He's individually forgiven, but then he's called to a new commitment to God's mission and kingdom. And so I don't want you to miss it. When we're forgiven, it's no longer about us. So let that one sit for a second. When we're forgiven, it's no longer about us. It's about the kingdom of God. And just how Peter's forgiveness costs something, Jesus' life, 
Following Jesus would cost Peter something. Cost him his will, his wants, his life. After foreshadowing how Peter would ultimately give his life for the kingdom of God, Jesus offers an invitation. He says, follow me. Those same words that began his journey that three and a half years earlier. And again, this was going to be a new start to part of what God was going to do now this side of the resurrection. And for each of us, the Jesus' invitation is clear. It's follow me. We follow because we're forgiven and redeemed in Jesus, and we've been given a role to play in the advancement of his kingdom. We can't stop short of just hearing his call to a relationship with him because that relationship means that we're called to do something. The relationship becomes a catalyst for what God wants to accomplish during our appointed time here on earth. That's part of what this shared commitment is, as we're all in this as followers of Jesus. We've been given individual roles, but others are dependent on you for your role to do what God has called you to do. The root of it all is this, is that following Jesus is connected to our love for Jesus. So this morning, Jesus is asking each of us, do you love me? Because he sure loves you, and he wants to offer you restoration and give you a greater purpose than you can ever imagine. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to follow?